In 2018, Ryan Johnson had a vision from the Lord that caused him to receive death threats and hate mail. And it turns out now the vision was true. We're about to get started on this episode of DNA of a Dangerous Church. Welcome to DNA of a Dangerous Church. Get ready. For powerful and practical insight on how to let the supernatural power of God loose in your life. Join your host and anointed guests for a crash course of equipping to release God's mighty authority, healing, prophecy, leadership, spiritual warfare, and evangelism. And now, your host, international speaker, author, revivalist, and prophetic voice, Pastor Ren Shuffman. Prophecy. Is it still happening? And where are we missing it? I'm with my good friend here, Ryan Johnson. How you doing, sir? Doing great. I'm so glad you're here live in studio with me. I'm so excited. But we got something important that we're going to talk about today. You and I were sharing and talking about prophecy. I want to jump right into it. Uh, we've had a season of the prophets. We've had a season of a lot of prophecy and a lot of turmoil, a lot of misunderstanding about the prophetic. And, and you and I have done some broadcasts on DNA of a Dangerous Church before, and we've talked about prophetic words the Lord has given yeah. us that mirrored and matched each other. And so I've listened to you for a while, and I've seen the accuracy of the words you've given. I've seen your heart. I've seen your authenticity. And so you and I were just talking about I don't know. I guess you'd call it the craziness, uh, uh, Jersey Shore craziness that happens <laughs> yeah. in what you call ministry. You were talking to me earlier and, and someone said, you know, someone that we both know very well was saying, how do I not know your name? And you're like, that's because I hate ministry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, it's part of the aspect of uh, I say I live underneath the rock. And the machine of ministry, it's just not my cup of tea. You know, I just want to be obedient to God. Yeah, you're not you're not talking about God's ministry. You're talking right. about the machine, the organization, the uh, rub elbows with the who's right. who. Right. And when it comes to the prophetic, we're seeing that. So I want to answer some important questions because I think the experience that you had and what happened to you with the prophetic word you released uh, will hold some accountability. So I, I, I want to go both direction. So I'm going to give some prophets a hard time, but at the same time, I'm going to let them off the hook. Okay. And I think that both of those are going to be really crucial. So um, we, we've had all these prophetic words that have gone out about, about uh, presidencies. Okay. Yeah. Um, and we've, we've had from all the way from the Kim Clement saying two terms, right. For president Trump uh, and uh, other prophets saying he'll be reseated in office. We've seen prophets that have moved the bar. They've said, he'll be back in 10 days. He'll be back right. in a month, you know, and they keep moving the bar and changing the word of the Lord. And you and I were talking about the idea of accountability. And what I was saying is as somebody who is right now making a podcast for Charisma Magazine uh, and some of the other big prophetic movements that we want to have a voice for the prophets, but we also want to follow scripture. Scripture says, let them prophesy. We need to let them prophesy. Yeah. But it says that we're supposed to judge that. And, and there hasn't been much accountability. And so what I've realized is, or what I've seen, uh, and you can speak into this, is in a vacuum of lack of accountability, you have uh, a amplifier of judgment and criticism. So you allow the voices of criticism to rise up where there is no accountability. Right. So speak into that for a second about what's happening in the prophetic movement. We'll talk about your word. Yeah. One of the things I think that we're the reason that we're seeing so many prophets and prophetic words that are not running the gauntlet of testing and judging those words and having that accountability is because of how they're being labeled. If there is a missing or a misunderstanding of the word, what happens a lot of times when someone releases a word and let's say, quote unquote, they miss it. They're immediately labeled as a false prophet because they wasn't 100 percent accurate on that moment. Now, there's a lot of reasons that it could be a missed word. You know, if it's a prophetic word that is conditional and that person didn't do what they're supposed to do, of course, there may be a missing. They could have just missed it simply because they misunderstood or misinterpreted or whatever the case may be. 
But we have to understand that the body of Christ has really become very vicious towards that. And so they label, you're a false prophet, you're a false prophet. And clearly the word of God says false prophets. The identification is not those who miss prophetic words. False prophets are those who have an anti-Christ message. But if you don't know Scripture and you put a demand on something that is prophetic and you re-identify people, it causes this, believe it or not, in my opinion, no one has to agree with me, this unwillingness to submit words for accountability because people don't want to be labeled. They don't want to be attacked. They don't want to be slandered. They don't want to go through the gauntlet of being accused as someone who missed it. So they're a false prophet. But that's part of the accountability in the sense that that if we hold one another biblically accountable to his word, it's also a form of protection to remind people, hey, they missed it. Okay, we missed it for whatever reason. And we dissect that out, whatever it is. It's okay because at the end of the day, we're still flesh. And we're going to have sometimes our own feelings put in the word. Sometimes we're going to have our own vision, our own, own, own understanding. And those can be obstacles. But accountability, the, the script, you cannot find a scripture that says, okay, here's your past without accountability. Scripture's clear. If I have a prophetic word, I need to have this word tested. I need to have it judged. I need to have it analyzed. But at the end of the day, that's for me, not against me. Yeah. So when I'm reading the scriptures, I'm reminded of one time that somebody was called a false prophet. And what's amazing is, is that it might not be exactly what you think it is. Balaam was called a false prophet. But when you read the word, it actually says that Balaam's prophecies, every single one of them were accurate and came to pass. Right. But he was called a false prophet, accurate and came to pass. And yet he was called a false prophet. So he wasn't called a false prophet because his words were untrue. It says that Balaam was called a false prophet because he was prophesying for money, right? He was prophesying for a reward, for a monetary system. He was prophesying for purposeful, selfish gain. The, the way I would describe that is it's in that respect, when you have prophets using it for self-gain, you're prostituting the prophetic. And we have a lot of prophets that, here's the crazy thing, at least Balaam got paid. I, I can't tell you how many prophets I see prostituting the prophetic for likes and hearts on Facebook yeah. and other social medias. They just want to have a following. And so they're not even getting money for it. Yeah. Right. Uh, and so I see that happen. And, and what happens is because there's not, I guess, um, the correct way of accountability. We, we've lost the structure of accountability. It leaves that vacuum, like I said, for criticism, uh, ungodly criticism. Um, and I know that happened to you. Ryan, you had a word in 2018 that was a difficult word to release. And so I want to talk about that word in 2018 that you released. Not very many people got the word right. And I teach this when I teach about prophecy all the time is that many times our prophets or prophetic voices, you don't have to carry the office to be a prophetic voice, have a very clear vision, but where they're still learning and growing is interpretation. Daniel had to interpret the dream. The best example of that is Peter. Peter had a vision, go rise, kill and eat. Yeah. And he wrestled with that word for a minute. It wasn't that day. He didn't understand it. He had to get to a place where he could interpret the word. He saw the vision clear. The interpretation was not immediate. And so we like to label people false prophets because they don't have the correct interpretation. But in 2018, you released a word that resulted in death threats, hate mail, right? And nobody giving you kisses like you deserved. Yeah. So September 2018, I have a dream. And in the dream, I was in Washington, D.C. I knew exactly where I was at in Washington, D.C. I spent years living not far from there. So I visited D.C. multiple times. I knew where I was at strategically in the place. But in the dream, all of a sudden, the waters began to rise. And it, it began with it's kind of a slow rise and nobody's panicking. Everybody's just kind of walking around. And water's rising. I'm thinking to myself, am I the only one that's seeing this, that the water is rising? And it's about ankle deep, and then it gets up about knee deep. And all of a sudden, I see a ginormous alligator. I mean, it was larger than normal. And it's going through the water, and the people are still just walking around D.C., and it's above the knee now. And all of a sudden, the alligator starts pulling people down. But I could tell that the alligator wasn't just pulling people down for the sake of that. 
it's like the alligator was moving through the water and strategically pulling specific people down in the water. So he's bypassing some. Yes. So he's kind of weaving and bobbing, you know, through this, and he pulls this one down. And all of a sudden, as the water continues to rise even further, this ginormous dragon comes out of the water. And when it does, that's when the people recognize that something is happening. And the dragon and the alligator, they go to war. And I mean, it's like this epic battle between these two. And they're just, they're going at each other. And all of a sudden, the alligator, as it's in the water, and it, it's, it's kind of like this, it turns its head. And when it does, the dragon snaps its neck and bites the head of the alligator off. And the people, the crowd, which was thousands of people that I saw, they start cheering celebrating and worshiping the dragon. And I'm in the crowd going, whoa, 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 guys, we can't do this. This is, this is wrong. This is not right. This is not right. Stop worshiping this dragon. This is wrong. And then I woke up. Okay. Before you get into the interpretation of that, I just want to leave that right there for a second because that's the full vision. Yes. What, what we talk about next is what you think it meant. Right. Is the interpretation of that. And this is where we get confused in the prophetic. Okay. So he's had an accurate vision from the Lord and the interpretation is walking through the process of reasoning with God about this, right. Out of relationship. And so you've had this clearly you're frustrated at what's happened. So we know that the, the alligator being taken out was a negative thing in your opinion, in the dream. Um, We don't represent all of that. And so your interpretation of the word, the word itself, that vision nobody's on right now is probably freaking out or getting upset or angry at you because of this vision, right? It's the interpretation of the vision (laughs) that got you on the bad list for a second. But here's why I wanted to talk about this and go to the interpretation because you got it right when hundreds of other prophetic voices that both you and I love and respect, some of the best men and women of God we know, uh, that I would never call a false prophet. And they they have a 99.9% track yeah. record. They completely missed this. But you are the one that took all the criticism in 2008 for the interpretation of this. So let's walk through the interpretation of this prophetic word and see if we can come to the right interpretation. So I immediately, when I woke up, I went to asking the Lord and seeking the Lord, the counsel in what is, what is happening here. And I, I can't really articulate it other than this and saying, I instantly knew that the alligator was not Leviathan. It wasn't a Leviathan spirit. It's just I, I just knowing in my knower, if that makes sense. But I was like, okay, what is that? Now, at that time in 2018, this was in September 2018, I'd heard the term, terminology about the swamp, D.C. being known as a swamp because originally that's what it was, and it was a very popular uh, saying at that time. And I'm thinking – Okay, the swamp waters are rising again. Now, this is prior to the midterm elections of that year. And so I'm going, oh, my gosh, I think what's happening is this blue wave and the waters are going to rise again. The swamp waters are going to rise. And then it, it, as I'm praying, I'm seeing this, I all of a sudden knew that the alligator was at that time President Donald Trump. The dragon wasn't even a second guess. This was representing China. That makes sense. Right. Yeah, and I so see that. I realized that in September 2018, there was something strategically happening out of China to wage war against President Trump, attack Trump and have him removed because it was biting off the head. It took his head clean off. That's right? correct. So as the water was rising, so I prayed, this is what I get. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, we need to pray for this man more than ever because I see this coming. I don't know exactly what it is. Uh, At the time, I even said this could be something with cybersecurity. It could be because, you know, a lot of technology with China and stuff. Yeah, China was hacking into our systems and stuff like that. So you're trying to you're trying to find the practical application to how China is going to do this. And and when I'm sharing this with first of all, I have the word tested. I'm sharing this with people. I say, I don't know specifically what this is, but I know something is coming out of China and it's going to have Trump removed. Now, when I still and I'm, I'm. Writing this all out, I began to do some research. And one of the things that I had discovered was in 2024, it would be the year of the dragon. 
on the Chinese calendar. On the Chinese calendar. On the Chinese and calendar. And so to me, that really stood out because that's not a good thing, spiritually speaking. That's very, you know, rooted in a lot of spiritualism and all this and everything. And I'm going, oh, my gosh. And so I started to say when I wrote this all out, I'm going, I think this is like the latter term of a second year. And the purpose is and what I said is I could see this potentially happening in 2024. And part of the reason of taking Trump out is because of what's coming behind or who's coming behind President Trump. So I submitted it to, to 10 trusted people. Nine of them said this is an accurate interpretation of the dream. One person said, you know, I don't because they had an issue with Trump being represented as the alligator. That was their issue. So I felt so like when we, were, when we were talking about this, you know, you, you were saying one person felt it wasn't of the Lord. And we were talking about this uh, in the context of both of us owning up to missing words, right. getting it wrong. Right. And, and us, we were sharing, hey, I missed it here or I missed it there in our growth processes. And you started to share this as a growth process. And when you said it to me, I'm like. You, you, you might be the only guy that didn't miss it. You, you might not have understood every detail in your interpretation, but you did not miss the word. So I, the dream is, and I walked through this for a month in October, I go public with the word because I felt like we got to pray for the president now. This is in October, 2018, 2018. So I'm releasing the word and I'm thinking when I release it, people are going to recognize, Oh my gosh, we need to pray for the president. It did not go that way at all. I got a lot of hate. I got emails with death threats, multiple death threats. I got letters, emails from people using four-letter curse words, mother effer, all this stuff, while they're professing that they're Christians. Aren't you so glad you have a platform? Yeah, and they were were (laughs) professing to tell me how dare I speak anything negative into the atmosphere about President Trump. It was there was a handful of people that got mad because it was the representation. They they connected the alligator to being Leviathan. So they said, how dare you say President Trump is a Leviathan? But more people were upset that I was speaking something negative that he was going to be removed. Yeah. And it was just like unreal. And I'm like, how are people missing that I'm calling that we pray for the president? Because something is coming out of China. Now, granted, no one was talking about COVID-19. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but, but the idea of the of the alligator, you know, I guess some people could could see that as Leviathan. That is one interpretation. And that's why it's important that we have a godly discernment in our interpretation. But the thing about the Leviathan that stands out to me or not Leviathan, excuse me, the alligator that stands out to me is that in the swamp, the alligator is king. He is the dominant predator of the swamp. If anybody is going to remove anything from the swamp, if anything dominates the swamp, it's the alligator in the swamp. It's the one thing you need to watch out for if you are living in the swamp, loving the swamp. So this is the crazy thing about it. You guys catching on yet? It releases in October 2018. Okay. I have... No knowledge of anything. Two weeks after it releases, um, there was an article in Time magazine. The German chancellor had disagreed with something with President Trump at the time. And the article literally said the German chancellor called President Trump the head alligator of the swamp. And in the article, it reads he strategically picking people off to remove them from the swamp. So I'm like, oh my gosh, not only two weeks weeks after that, two weeks after it went live, uh, there was also two Native American tribes in the United States that had these alligators. One of them was orange. It was an albino alligator, it was orange. (laughs) And they named it Donald J. Trump. And another one in Florida named it Donald Trump. I said, wait a minute, there's two alligators that are called Trump, the German chancellor, and I'm like, can people not see this? So, so of course, that stopped all the hate mail instantly, oh, yeah, right? right. Now you've seen. So it's not that <laughs> it's not that I, I don't think it's that Ryan is call, was calling him the alligator. I don't even think it's that God was calling him the alligator. God was giving him a very specific word that if he couldn't figure out in two weeks, he was going to figure out in two weeks. Yeah. It, it, you know, it was showing what President Trump was doing in that was time. Was doing. And then, of course, you go into November 2018 
there's a lot of uh, liberal and leftists elected to the office. So the swamp waters rise. You fast forward to the fall of 2019 on into the winter of 2019. And we're hearing about this thing called coronavirus. Then you fast forward in 2020, March, the whole world shuts down. And of course, in the beginning, everybody's like, you know, it came out of this. Now, now we know a whole lot more about all that. So here's where I was telling Ren that I, I know and I had to take ownership of this because after the elections of 2020, I actually went back on my show, social media and I said, hey, guys, I said, you, some of you know, I had this dream. I shared this dream, but I need to apologize for one of the things, because in the dream, I said, I genuinely think that this could be. 2024. Now, I did not say the word of the Lord is this is 2024. And that's the difference. Yes, that's the difference. You never said. And that's the problem with not just sharing what you see and just sharing the interpretation. A lot of people say the Lord said, no, he didn't. He showed you a vision and you were tasked with interpreting. You believed it was 2024. It does not mean your vision is false. It means the interpretation needs a little work. Right. right? And it was the timing of that. And I owned it and said I was wrong for the timing because obviously we rolled into 2020 and we've seen what's happened with that. So let me just be clear because there's some people that are still like, I don't get the connection. Coronavirus came out of China. So, and if, if some of you know the news cycle, you know that when we were coming into the election cycle, basically every political pundit uh, was saying like, there's no way to stop his reelection. The stock market is booming. Mm-hmm. Uh, oil, it, we're or energy independent. We see prices coming down. The economy is soaring. All the statistics look like a landslide victory. It would take something happening. And most people, if you, when you did the polls for political elections, um, the people that were most worried about coronavirus, that are most that that was their biggest concern, voted for Biden. There was a narrative that said we're the we're the only party that can, that can address this situation. Yep. I'm not speaking into which party can. I'm just saying that that was the narrative of the time, that this thing suddenly coming out of China was the undoing and unseating of a president very most likely. And people would say, you're right. The economy shut down. The the stock market came down. The unemployment numbers went skyrocketed because of this. And so finally, there was actually a negative narrative. I think a false negative narrative because, of course, there's unemployment when you're in the middle of something that's unprecedented. Right. But nonetheless, it's a negative narrative. And so you have a president who's represented in your vision as the alligator and he's strategically pulling people down and and taking them out of the swamp, taking them out for good. And then the dragon that represents China comes in and takes him out. And we saw what happened. We don't, you can say whatever you want about coming back, not coming back, second term, not second term. We're not addressing that. We're not giving that word. But the fact is, is that he's not seated in the office right now. And a lot of that has to do with exactly what he's saying. The dragon showed up and it caused turmoil. But instead of the body of Christ embracing it or judging it correctly, because of the vacuum of proper judgment, proper discernment, the only thing left was the criticisms and the death threats, right? And the lack of hugs. And that hurts. Yeah. You know, it's one of those things that uh, after a while you were like, our I was like, oh, my gosh. I mean, we've we've carried this thing too far when we're, we're I was simply saying we need to pray for this sitting president more than ever. But and, 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 and I'm saying this with please know my heart. I'm saying this with love. But somewhere along the line, some people took it a level too far and they couldn't hear that something could possibly be coming to harm or cause some kind of damage or something. They couldn't hear that because they saw it as undestructible, untouchable. And what happened is I genuinely believe this is my opinion. I genuinely believe we stopped praying for the covering and the protection because we said, Nothing can happen. And the enemy moved in. You don't need to pray over the Titanic. It's unsinkable. Yeah, right. We do have that mentality. We do have. And I believe in America, we have a serious idolatry problem. I, right. We, we have a show called American Idol and we have no problem saying I idolize things. Right. Right. We literally have endorsed it and, and taken it in as part of our culture that we idolize things. Yeah. Oh, that's my favorite idol. Like, And, and so we've taken. Look, I. I 
I have a political viewpoint. That's the, the point is not whether or not you're allowed to have a political viewpoint. You're absolutely allowed to be a political viewpoint. But as kingdom citizens, uh, you you said something very powerful the other day about being a, a kingdom citizen and the difference between a kingdom citizen. Do you remember that line that you gave? I'm trying to think which one. I, I do. I got I've said burned. a thing or two. I have. Yeah, I have it burned in my memory. He said this very clearly. If you don't if you're not kingdom governmental, yeah, yeah, then yeah, you I will become political. Yeah. When. One of the problems that we have in, in, in the body of Christ is, is we fully don't understand ecclesia. And because we don't understand our ecclesia, some will pronounce it that way. Uh, what happens is, is when the body of Christ, the, the, the aspect of ecclesia or ecclesia, when you do not know how to be governmental, you become political. So in other words, because you don't understand who you are as ecclesia, you don't understand the governmental aspect that you have, you depend on someone else to go represent for you. And that's why we need political figures to do that because we become political when reality is because of who we are in Christ as sons, as heirs and ambassadors, we are actually to be governmental. And when we're governmental, I don't have to depend on the political scene, but I become obsessed with the political because I don't understand the kingdom. It's so good. That's so quality. So you and I were talking about the idea of the kingdom and where we're facing out governmental right now. And and I said something, I'm going to say it, and you may not agree with me, you may not like what I have to say, but I believe that it's necessary. I told Ryan this, I said, I believe we got exactly what we deserved in a president, like right now. The president that's sitting right now, I believe we got exactly what we deserved. What do I mean by that? I told him this, statistically, the American church has been in decline for many years. We know that. But suddenly, rapidly, there was a, a rapid decline of the church, which signals, if you follow stock markets or watch trends that, you know, there's a trend that says, this is the time to sell. The sell order has been placed. Like this is a signal that says, get out now. And that trend line of get out of the church happened. And we had the largest exodus from the church of people leaving the church ever before. And I know we want to say it was under uh, the, the other side of the aisles politics, but the truth is the largest exodus from the American church happened under the presidency of Donald Trump. Now, am I suggesting for one second that that has anything to do with Trump? No, please hear me. It has nothing to do with Trump. But when the church gets complacent, when the church goes to sleep, the enemy is allowed to run rampant. And what happened was, is that the church negated and delegated their responsibility of the church to one man. We we decided he can solve everything. We can go back to sleep. And this is the problem in the churches because as ministers of the gospel, we spend all of our time ministering to people that want us to do all the ministry and them just to receive the ministry. And it's even worse when you're no longer even looking to the pastor. The pastor can't do all the ministry, right? right? We're called to train and equip for the work of the ministry. They're the ministers. The ecclesia, the body of Christ is the ministers. We're just supposed to train them. But what's even worse is when they're not even looking to the pastors anymore. Now they're just looking to a man in government and says, he's going to fix everything. We can go to sleep. We don't need to pray. He's untouchable. And we see the largest exodus from the church. And if you look at the children of Israel, you see the the pattern in the cycle that we are in right now. It's the same pattern and cycle. They do really good for a little while. Then he has to put them into bondage, do a little good. Then he has to come and bring bondage. He has to put them into slavery because God knew that only when they were exiled, when they were uh, persecuted, when they had an outside force driving them, would they would it be an alarm clock to them and cause them to wake yeah. up, rise up and be the body of Christ, to be the, the church again, to be the, the nation of Israel that God called them to be. And it's a shame that it takes us to that moment. But now we're in a moment now where the body of Christ has been waking up. Uh, I heard this said famously, and it's a wonderful, wonderful line. Is that this good times create weak men. Weak men create bad times. Bad times create strong men. Strong times create, or strong men create good times. And that's the cycle that we go through. 
And that's the cycle that we run through. And so we see that happening. And when we finally decide that in the good moments, we will capitalize on that and push through to breakthrough in the moments where we are the strongest and most awake and ready and in line with God, that that's the moment we're called to cross the Jordan rivers and step into promised lands that we were called to instead of waiting till it's rough to finally get decided to get going that we would see more victory and breakthrough. Yeah. But we, ha- I think we have to try to start holding, we have to have a better system uh, of accountability, uh, structure, and I don't want to get legalistic in that. I mean, just, but just a better system of supporting and holding accountable the prophetic. I don't want to just say we need to hold the, the, the uh, prophetic accountable without saying, how do we release the prophetic into more? How do we inspire, encourage, and release that even more? But I'm troubled when, when I look around and I see that none of us, none, there is nothing in the body of Christ other than criticism to try yeah. to help hold uh, the, the, the prophets accountable. And so you look around and you see, and there were some, there's some that have come back out and said, Hey, I'm sorry. I missed the word. You know, I misinterpreted this and I love and appreciate them. There are some that said, Hey, I'm, I'm not giving up until I see what happens. Right. There's some that said two terms and here's the reality. Any prophetic person that said there was two terms, maybe they're right. We don't know yet. Maybe they're right. Maybe they just got the back to back part wrong. Right. We don't know. Yeah. Well, I always think of Isaiah and, and the reason I think we, we, we have this tendency and we're still very much a microwave generation. We want things done quickly. And so when a prophetic word is released, we want it done so quickly. If it doesn't happen to come to pass in our time frame, then it's wrong. And I think of Isaiah, you know, Isaiah has all these prophetic words about the Messiah. But it was thousands of years before that ever came to be. How many times did people look at him and go, you're crazy? You're a false prophet. Abraham. You keep talking about this Messiah, but nothing's happening. You keep saying these words, but nothing's happening. So we we do have to be um, a, a little more gracious in, in the words that we're hearing and stop putting our demand on it, our timeline on it. And, and, and that's one of the challenges of that. I also want to say, if you are one of those individuals that's going to hold on to that word, there's nothing wrong with that. Hold on to that word if that's what you hear the Lord doing. But if somewhere along the line, it is definitely in error or it's wrong. If you're going to go down the ship, own it. Just own it. Because I I can do something with someone who is repentive, but I can't do something with someone who's just sorry because it didn't work out in a time frame and people's not going to listen. I, I you know, I, I know someone personally. They said, hey, I, I, I misinterpreted. Their word was, I misinterpreted a dream that I had. And they apologized for that. They got hammered, continues to get hammered. Well, you didn't, you know, you didn't. And I'm like, did you even read what they said? They misinterpreted a dream. That's, you know, that's the right thing to do in this process. But so, so I'll, I'll name names like like uh, somebody that I have grown in respect for is somebody that apologized for missing a word about the presidency. He came out and apologized for it. Jeremiah Johnson. Yeah. I, I had a lot more respect for him afterwards. And someone said, why do you respect him now that he said he missed it? Why, why does that give you respect? Here's why. Because Jeremiah Johnson has been a very accurate prophet. He said a lot of prophetic things. But here's the one thing that I know. I know that when he releases a word. I don't have to search through six years of his words to validate and verify if he really is being accurate or if he just got one out of 50 right and he promoted the one out of 50. Yeah, I know that the man has enough humility, whether you agree or disagree. I know that he has enough humility that he will come out and say, I missed it. So unless I hear him say he missed it, I know the other 99 that he released were accurate because he will tell on himself for me. I don't have to do the research. And I know that I can trust the other words because he won't allow one to come out of his mouth that he doesn't then come back and say, hey, I'm issuing a retraction. And that to me says that I can trust everything else that comes out of his mouth. And the problem is, is when uh, these prophets are, uh, you know, I use that term loosely in some cases, but the prophets come out and they keep changing their prophetic word over and over and over. And so I was pondering this so that I'm giving them a hard time with this, but I'm also going to give grace right now. Okay. Right. Here's the, here's the reason why I think that happens. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm the only one that thinks this, but here's the reason why I think that happens. I think it happens because the ecclesia, the body of Christ, the believers out there, uh, one, they don't know their own identity and don't realize they're supposed to be prophetic for themselves. So they're 
pushing and pulling and yanking. I imagine the crowd pressing in on Jesus, just pulling from every side out of him, yeah. right? And we treat it like that because we don't recognize our own identity and authority. So we're always yanking on the prophetic voices. We want more, we want more, we want more. But also the prophetic voices have allowed that to happen. Uh, they've been put under pressure of performance. I need a word, I need a word, I need a word, I need a word. And, and here's the, the truth is that we haven't followed a biblical model of prophecy. Let me give you one. Real simple. I read the book of Ezekiel the other day, all of it. And as I read through, if you read through the, just, just glance through the book of Ezekiel for me. And as you read through it, you'll recognize that it says in the third year of the King on the 10th month, I received the word of the Lord. Then it says on the fifth year of the sixth month, I'm just throwing this out. That's I'm not quoting. I'm just giving you a good example. Uh, this is the R-E-N translation. <laughs> so, you know, and then one says on the ninth year of the 10th month and you as I noticed, the pattern was this. This is what I'm getting to is the pattern was this. Ezekiel, not a minor prophet, by the way, he's a major. OK, and he didn't have a word every week. Yeah, he didn't have a word every day. He didn't even have a monthly word. For, he didn't have a New Year's resolution word of the of the season. He had a word when he had a word. And sometimes those words spanned years before he had a national word. Now, I'm not talking about individual prophecy. Right. Okay. I'm talking about a word over the nation. And we have prophets releasing a word every week. Now, may, maybe we're in an escalated season of prophecy. We're in a New Testament season of prophecy. So I'm not suggesting that it can't be escalated. I'm just asking the question of this. Is it ask? actually that escalated where now prophets are receiving daily or weekly uh, words about nations when prophets like Isaiah and Ezekiel and Abraham had to wait, Isaiah had to wait thousands of years, or are we just so hungry for a word and there's so much pressure put on the prophetic that they have to release a new word because here's the truth. What did you say earlier? We're in a microwave culture. Yeah. And we forget we have an eight second attention span and we've already forgotten. So if you haven't released a word in two weeks, you have now become culturally irrelevant in the prophetic world. Oh, yeah. And you, your your YouTube video had no views this week because you had no video this week. And that's the question is, is we created a culture that that content is king and the release of content is king. So you have to have another word. Yeah, I was told um, some years ago, if I would write something every week, put it out on the same day at the same time, it would create this following that people would know to look for this word. And I said, I can't do that. And they said, why? And I said, it might start out with well intentions, but let's be honest, over a period of time, it's going to become more of my flesh than it is the word of God. And so I can't do that. And so I'm not going to do that. And I do believe there is a prophetic pressure within a lot of people to perform. Um, because if you don't get those words out, people forget you and this and that. My problem, I'm not saying that God doesn't work this way. It's very possible that God can be releasing this many words. I'm just going to be honest where I'm at in my walk with the Lord. And we're talking about 25 years of walking with the Lord. I have a hard time when I have, I'm just going to say 15 prophetic words on Monday, 15 on Tuesday, 15 on Wednesday, 15. I'm still trying to process the first two out of the 15 on Monday, and you're overloading me throughout the rest of the week. How am I walking out all these words? Right. And and Peter demonstrates that to us. He has the dream, rise, kill, and eat, yeah. Peter. And, it, and he has to go through a process of receiving that word. He wasn't pumping out a word a day. Yeah, he wasn't. And that's New Testament. It, it, it's it's become uh, like you said, it, it's a, it's that thing, because the reality is, if if I put out a word right now and I use the right catchphrase and the right word, it's going to go viral just because of the right catchphrase, the right hashtag and all this other stuff and everything. But my question is, is it from the Lord? So for me personally, you know, I was joking about knowing the same person and, and they said, how have we not? How do I not heard you? And I said, I live underneath the rock and I love it. I love living underneath that rock because I'm not going to be a dancing chicken on the stage for nobody. I'm not going to do that. And that's, that's an old fair trick. You know, the fair used to come down, they have these dancing chickens on the stage and people be like, how do you train a chicken to dance underneath the stage? They had a hot plate. And so the reason the chicken dances is because the stage is hot. 
<laughs> you can tell he's from Alabama right there. That's what sold it right there. I'm like, dancing chickens. Like, I was thinking dancing dance monkeys. Chicken. Dancing chickens. That when must be a southern thing. When the fire to perform intensifies, you then become a dancing chicken rather than an eagle who soars and comes in strategically as we are to be prophetically we're seers like the eagle vision but we have too many dancing chickens that's a mic drop right i I can't drop this one but uh that's a mic (laughs) drop right there that is so good dancing chickens you know i use the county fair (laughs) i use the term all the time look guys we got to cross our chicken line and so many times people are like chicken line yeah and i'm like yes the line that we're scared to cross chicken i can't believe i have to explain that all the time yeah the chicken line the line that you are chicken to cross and we need to go across that but here's the problem is because uh, one, we don't hold the prophetic accountable. Yeah. So they're just running rampant and we have prophets running around going, don't question the prophet. You know, I, I'm not going to name any names or call out anybody, but I know there are prophets who have missed it several times. They were, uh, you know, someone calls them out on it and their response is multiple ones. So I'm not just highlighting any particular person, multiple ones that will say, uh, you know, you don't question the prophet. Here's my problem. If you've missed it that many times, I don't think we're questioning a prophet. You begin to start removing yourself from holding that office. And and here's the truth. If you, if somebody has put the pressure on you to perform and you're releasing words prematurely or that aren't from heaven, and maybe you're getting a word a month from the Lord over the nation, but you have to put out content every week. That means three out of the four of your words are from the flesh and you are cheapening the actual voice of the Lord. And so we, as a body of Christ, wanting prophetic words for seasons need to start like letting those voices know, don't give us something that because we want something because the season is hard. Give us something when the voice of the Lord speaks. I don't want anything less than his voice. Jesus said, I only do that, which I hear the father do. I see the father do, right? I see the father say, He only did that which the father did. And if we would get back to that place where we have, and tell me if I'm wrong here, I think maybe the root cause of this, you know, my good friend, Chris Reed, uh, you know, perhaps one of the most prophetic voices I think ever, um, you know, what conversations I've had with him is that the missing ingredient, the root cause maybe of all of it is that. Uh, they have abandoned or all of us as a church body maybe have abandoned the idea of the fear of the Lord. We have a fear of man. We have a fear of deplatforming. We have a fear of failure, but we don't have a healthy fear of the Lord. Oh yeah. The only thing I would add to that is there's a pride issue because I hear that statement. Don't question the prophet. And I think back and I go, okay, that's our problem. That's the statement problem because the Bereans weren't technically questioning Paul. They were questioning what he was saying. The words he was saying, they went back and judged it according to the scripture. But what's happening is... But doesn't we, the word say, judge not, least you be judged? Oh my gosh, we could go on a whole other thing right there. I actually just did a thing on that, the whole thing. My thing about that is stop saying judge not if you don't know what that means. So anyway... Um, when people say you don't, you, you know, don't question the prophet to me, that sounds very prideful and I'm not calling everybody full of pride. I'm saying it sounds prideful because again, if you, if a prophet releases a word, I'm not questioning the prophet. I'm questioning that word. That's what I'm dissecting is the word, not him or her as an individual. I'm not calling them out as an individual. What does the word say? How does it line up with the word of God? Because if the word is wrong, the word is wrong. That's just it. And and that's just so it is 110 percent the fear of the Lord that is missing. I think right not next to that is pride. That's really good. I think the third to that is exactly what you said. We're judging the wrong thing. Yeah. We're trying to judge the person instead of judge the word. Yeah. Right. The person can miss it. We can have grace for that and they could try again. But if you don't know what is in the written word of God, you can't judge the word, but you can judge the person. Ooh. Ooh. 
come on. So you can judge the person because you don't know the word. So you that's what's know. happening. And that's the criticism. That's the anger. And that's why people don't want the words tested. Because if you have quote unquote Christians who do not know what God's word actually says, you attack the individual. Yeah. So, so at the Bereans, they would study and test out everything Paul said. It's not an attack on Paul. It's a validation of Paul. When you search the scriptures and find that you can't find anything that disagrees with that. It's I no actually problem. a compliment to Paul. Yes. It's like, hey, we've judged your words and you are saying what is right. So I recently just did, um, I, I taught a, a teaching that was exceptionally controversial. I won't get into it, but maybe I'll, I'm going to say it and leave it hanging in the air for the next episode. Okay. <laughs> like, like little breadcrumbs of desperation right. on your hearts to watch again. Okay. So you're going to hate me for this, but I recently released a word and I tested it with two very, uh, one of them is a teacher here. They carry the teacher anointing at my church. The other one is a national prophetic voice that's here at my church. And I, I, I said it to him and I said, find it in the scriptures, prove me wrong, test me wrong, tell me I'm wrong before I preach this on Sunday. Challenge me. And I did. Uh, the one came back and she challenged me just a little bit and then finally said, I think you're right. I can't I can't dispute it. The other one, he fought me for days back and forth. Text message, 50 <laughs> scriptures, just arguing it out. And I, I rebutted, I rebutted, I rebutted. And finally, the last rebuttal, he writes back. Amen. And so I knew. <laughs> He was like, I did everything I could to argue this on the other side and prove you're wrong, but you're holding it down. And, and I'll tell you what it is. And I don't have to go into it today, but I'll tell you this. I, I dare you to, to tell, show me in the scriptures that the devil is a thief. I see I baited you real good right there. You're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'll, I'll talk about that on the next episode, but I dare you. There is nowhere. I'll say it like this, and then I'll come back and explain. And a lot of you guys are like, you false. Pro Don't be a Berean. Search the word. John 10.10 does not call the devil a thief. It calls Pharisees a thief. And then I started a, just like you talking about what Ryan was, we were talking about how he studies the word and I study the word the same exact way. He finds something and starts chasing it down and questioning it. So I read John 10, 10 and realized if you back up to nine, that he's talking about the Pharisees, he's actually attacking the Pharisee right there. And I'm probably stepping all over something you had. That's why you're laughing at me, but um, he's attacking the Pharisees. And I'm like the devil he doesn't call him a thief. So I went, oh, of course, not in John 10, 10, but clearly he probably calls him a thief lots of other places. And as I began to question that like a Berean, I couldn't find it anywhere. And what I found changed my perspective. I'm not suggesting the devil doesn't come in and take, but what it changed my perspective to understand how the devil gets to me and how, how I am being removed from positions of authority or losing things. And it changed that perspective. So I'm not undoing scripture. I just have a deeper revelation. We'll get into it another time. So you see how I baited that really well? He's like, I'm dying. I'm dying. I'm dying. <laughs> I'm thinking I got to be quiet because you got to leave that for the rest you of them, leave but that, right? I'm like a bass swimming around. Right. <laughs> Want to take a bite? Take a bite. So, so I got into that, right? And so, but I tested that word. I got challenged over and over and over. And, and, and one of my people were just testing me to test me. The other one was like, I firmly disagree with you, right? And they battled me on it until I, I got the perspective through and they were like, okay, you know, I think there's something to what you're saying. And, and so you can disagree with it. I haven't taught it. Don't judge me until you hear it. Okay. Uh, and I could be wrong. That's okay. We're all learning and growing. So, but that is the idea is that I was willing to submit that for, for a, a Berean, for the Bereans, for someone to come in and judge me and even try me on it. But the, the point was, is they didn't do it out of love, uh, out of disrespect, or yeah. they didn't do it out of hating me or call me a false prophet. They did it to help and come to a resolution of what does the word what does the word? We were sharpening each other, iron yeah. sharpening iron. And I think that there's very limited amount of that in the prophetic. And so here's the thing. I can drop a bomb like that about the word of God. And we have the rest of the word of God to test that out, to search it out and see if I have just lost my mind on a subject matter. And that's okay. We can do that. And everyone can be like, hey, I read through the scripture. I don't agree with you. That's okay. But we don't have that with the prophetic. 
we can we can line it up to scripture. But when someone says something's going to happen on this day, we have no way to verify that. We have no way to test that word against the word. Yeah. Uh, and, and so we have lost a system to hold them accountable. And so we resort to name calling or, or breaking people away from their, their titles or, or, or saying, Hey, you don't belong prophesying. We remove their, their platforms or whatever. And maybe some of them need to be removed. I don't know. So how do we, how do we do a better job of holding ourselves accountable for the prophetic words we release as prophetic people, as people with platforms? Um, and making sure that what we're releasing isn't giving wrong hope. I didn't say false hope, yeah. wrong hope. Um, and how do we hold other people accountable with without coming against them 24-7? Yeah, I think one of the things that we can do right out of the bat is whenever we have a prophetic word, because we live in this culture that we live in, whatever we post on social media has a chance of you know going quickly. I think we need to, first of all, weigh the word to know whether or not it actually has value to know whether or not it's actually supposed to be shared because everything heard or seen doesn't mean it's supposed to be shared. Mm -hmm. Some things that you hear and see are for intercessors for our, you know, a core group of uh, individuals that will strategize. And so one of the things I think would be very beneficial is like for one of the things that I do personally, I have a word. One of the before I even put it on my website and then share it to social media, I send it out for people to judge it. I send it out to them. I say, here's this word I got or this dream that I had or this vision that I had. Judge this word because before I'm going to release it, I need you to judge it, which means I can set on a word for weeks upon weeks. And I have to be willing to be okay with that. Yeah. And just for clarification, uh, if he ever misses a word, he's never sent me one to judge. So it's not on me. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> next thing you're going to tell me is <laughs> cleanliness is not next to godliness. I mean, <laughs> so it's just one of those things where I think if we would, we would have the audacity to do that and be okay with that. Uh, you know, it'll be, and I know there's so many people right now, they're going, Oh, I gotta, I gotta get it out now. I gotta get it out now. I still think you have to have the word tested. So you still yeah, have I, I, I am so impatient. Um, I yeah. am one of those, like the Lord had me and him have wrestled with this back and forth. I'm like, Lord, do not give me a word that I can't release. You know me, I can't help yeah. him. And the Lord has been gracious to me to finally like say, okay, you know, he gave me an Aaron, you know, finally the Lord said, fine, take Aaron. Like for me, he's like, I won't give it to you because I know you just cannot hold it in you. So he has to give yeah. me stuff that I go through a process with. But if he says here, I'm going to give you a word for five years down the road and give me the full revelation. I, I, I'm talking. I'm talking. It's the other. It's hard. It is. It's extremely difficult. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm just saying it's possible. Absolutely. Um, The other side of it is, you know, how do we uh, if you have that word, one of the things and I made this mistake and I own up to this mistake because of the onslaught of hate and death threats that I got over that Trump dream. I literally told God, uh, don't give me another dream about Trump, do not give me another dream. And you know what? He honored that word. Oof. Now, I was wrong for that. And I've had to repent for that um, because that was such a Jeremiah card. This word is too difficult. So, Lord, I'm not going to say your name anymore. Wow. That's what happened when I did that. So the individual that has the word test and then you're going to have to you're going to have to understand people as much as people are going to like it and retweet it and share it and all that other stuff, there's going to be equally or often more who criticize, grot, complain, slander, accuse, and all those things. And it's just going to come with the territory. You can't become argumentative with people back and forth over social media. It's ridiculous. I'm a firm believer in correction without relationship breeds anarchy. Ooh, say that again. Correction without relationship breeds anarchy. Come on. So if I'm trying to correct people over social media and I don't have any kind of relationship with them, what am I really creating at the end of the day? Yeah, there's a famous saying that says, I don't care how much you know if I don't know how much you care. That's right. Right. So it's the same thing. So don't, don't try to teach me when you don't know me. Right. I just recently had a message on the whole judge not. I heard this. I had the video of the person that is making a statement about judge not. 
And I was like, oh, my gosh, when you first hear it, it sounds good. Like when you first hear it, it sounds good. And then there was something that I heard and I went, wait a minute. And so I played it again and I was like, ooh, I played it again. I caught something else. I played it again. I caught something else. And so I realized that there was such um, an emphasis on the good highlights that you kind of missed what was in error according to the word. So what I done one night, I'm speaking at church. I actually played the video and I said, I want you to let nobody react, nobody do anything. And I played the video with the person. I never acknowledged the person by name because I don't have a relationship with them. Okay. So I said, listen to what they say and don't applaud, don't ooh or anything, just listen. And then I said, I want you to listen again. And I played it again. I want you to listen again. And then I said, I'm not attacking this person. I want you to understand that I'm not here tonight to slander or attack this individual. I'm here to judge what was said. And did you catch what was said? And then I called out what needed to be corrected in what was said. Now, this is the reason I'm saying this. When you have a prophetic word that is released by somebody, and let's say there's error in it. If you're going to go on social media or, or a podcast, whatever the case may be, don't get in the habit of attacking the individual because you don't have a relationship with them. You can't bring correction to somebody you do not have a relationship with. You bring correction to the error that is in the word. How do you bring that correction to the error of the word? By the word of God itself. So correction without relationship breeds anarchy. But if I correct the word, then my focus is on the word and not the individual. Because they, at the end of the day, the individual is just a vessel. Amen. That's so good. So let me just ask you a personal question then on that. So these people brought correction to the individual and not to the word, right? They didn't say, well, uh, you know, a dragon means this or it could mean that. They didn't bring a correction to the interpretation. They brought attacks to you personally, death threats and stuff. What was that just from a personal perspective, a prophetic person, you've put yourself out there with a word. What did that do to you? What was that feeling? What was that What internally? I want you to humanize it a bit. Um, man, that's such a good question. Because it, it in the beginning, when you start getting the emails and the messages and stuff, it, it's it's a shock to the system. It's it's like, did I not explain this well enough? Did I not articulate it right? Could I've said it in a different manner? You start analyzing everything because it's just a shock. But then honestly, what it did for me. I went through two, two things personally. I went through this first process of I, I'm, I'm done. I'm not doing this. I, I'm not setting myself up for this madness. And I kind of got a glimpse of where the idol worship was happening. And I was like, that's it. I'm, I'm not doing this, God. I would be an usher in the back of the church wearing my burgundy coated jacket, you know, and I'll catch people. But I'm not doing this. So I went through that stage of kind of self-pity. And then when I got through that and I realized I was in error and I said what I said, I went through a grieving process. And I'm going to be honest when I say this. Um, the, the, the process of going into 2019 and that word, the way it happened, that first pity, that lasted about eight months. Wow. Because it was just an onslaught after onslaught after onslaught after onslaught. But then we get into the fall and the coronavirus kicked in and I really realized what happened then. I began to grieve. And honest to goodness, here we are. We're in um, going into the summer of 2022 when we're recording this. I'm still grieving for the body of Christ. Wow. So it's not easy to go through that grieving process. So I, I hope that this, I wanted to conclude with that question because I just really felt like people needed to hear the heart of those that release prophetic voices in the right heart. And I can tell you this, if you ever hear someone release a word and there's an arrogant tone in their voice, you can usually tell that they're not authentic prophets. But when you hear someone who releases a word 
and they do it humbly. I can tell you that Isaiah chapter six, if you want to know what it looks like to get a real word from the Lord, then Isaiah chapter six will be that. When Isaiah stood in the throne room of God, it says that when he stood there and heard the word that he cried out, I'm going to die. I am a man of unclean lips. Yeah. So if a man comes and says, I've stood in the presence of God and he has given me a word and he is arrogant and prideful, I promise you he has not been in the throne for that word. And that's a tell before it even comes out. So I want to give that. But you are a humble man who's been in the presence of God. As we just wrap up real quick, you've been in the presence of God. And the way you release those words tells me that you were uh, because of the way that you receive the criticism and the correction and the praise. Well, I appreciate that. I do sincerely. And one of the things I want to say is because of this process, I still have that original video up on YouTube. Come on. It's still up. You can go to my YouTube channel and you can watch that original video. Now, it's the original video, but it's the second time it got up because, believe it or not, it got pulled off. Ah. Uh, so it's the second time it's up, but it is the original video. Amen. Amen. So this has been a great episode with Ryan Johnson. Uh, we appreciate him being here. All the links to follow his ministry are posted for you. I love you. God loves you. Shalom. Amen. Thank you for listening to DNA of a Dangerous Church. Be sure to subscribe to the show on CharismaPodcastNetwork.com or iTunes, Spotify, Google, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Follow Pastor Ren Shuffman on social media and join our mailing list for exclusive bonus training content at www.ffc.church/dangerous. slash